Section six of the Daredevil of the Army Experiences as a Buzzer and Dispatch Rider by Austin Patrick Cocorin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter three in which the telephone proves its utility and instability part two well it is september the twenty fourth and our preparations are complete all the cables have been laid all the men have been notified of the positions they are to occupy to-morrow the particular sector whose communications are in our hands lies facing the famous quarries north of hullock god grant we may be occupying them by next sundown the infantryman is equally ready for his task in my travels along the trenches superintending my own men i have caught glimpses of the efforts he is making here is a party filling piles of sandbags there another serving out ammunition and bombs a third is concealing the long iron gas cylinders we have adopted the hun tactics at last it is a difficult but all-important matter to get these cylinders in a safe place should a shell hit them we would be hoist with our own petard finally it is decided to bury them under the firing step the most convenient and best protected spot in the trench at seven thirty tomorrow morning the loose ball will begin the band has already begun to play for the past month the artillery has been tuning up over the seven mile front on which our advance is to be made thirteen hundred guns have been pounding out their promise sending intermittent samples of the music we may expect at the rate of three hundred rounds per gun now the intervals are growing shorter between items the rounds have increased to five hundred they are rending the very sky with their screams meantime of course fritz has not been backward he is preparing a little pleasantry of his own whizz bang the little hill behind our house has suddenly been transformed into a hollow pip squeak a neighbour's hut is levelled and in its place yawns a crater containing hut and inhabitants madame the stolid is already poorer by the loss of a barn and our men are looking for other billets scully my batman robbed of his home decides to share the one he has procured for me like the gentleman in the scriptures he takes up his bed and walks now his straw is lying in a corner on my nice clean cobbled floor but he's comfortable little accidents don't disturb him for to-night he will have the outhouse practically to himself i've decided to spend the evening with some friends in a neighbouring village as there is prospect of some fun 
i give him the tip that i may not be home before morning he receives the news without any perceptible trace of sorrow poor chap he's to regret it before long day has not yet dawned when i start on my return journey i feel i should like a little sleep before the scrap a sudden silence has sprung up all along the line and i speed up to take advantage of this unaccustomed lull but i have not yet reached home when the storm again breaks loose the reason of course is obvious all along the roads men are tramping to the trenches to relieve those others who have been working for the past ten days fritz naturally is trying to thin their ranks crump 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 so it goes all round the day is breaking and in the distance i see my billet as i look i see smoke lord have they hit the house i enter the yard and the grey light reveals a heap of stones on the left my room i go nearer to investigate the damage evidently the shell had hit the ground just outside causing the wall on one side to collapse the corner where my bed stood has crumpled in in the other scully's straw is lying undisturbed i look round wondering where he can be and presently discover him amid the ruins poor chap he had taken advantage of my tip to crawl into my more comfortable quarters he has paid for the small pleasure with his life but suppose i had been careful and stayed at home for the sake of my sleep well evidently in this case the gods are rewarding the prodigal let us hope they will be equally kind on the morrow collins takes me in for the few hours remaining by five i am out again to report to the signal office where i am detailed to look after the wiring of a sector of trenches between two points north of vermelles already the activity of the artillery is so violent that the sky overhead resembles a sheet of steel so thick and fast do the shells come that they seem a solid grey mass our ears are buzzing with the whirr of their flight round us too explosions are sending up their spray of smoke our eyes begin to ache and our tongues have an acrid taste can a man preserve his mind amid such confusion of the senses i get my answer on entering the next traverse this is the scene that meets my gaze on the firing step an altar has been erected at it stands a catholic priest he is just finishing the morning mass round him on their knees are grouped a body of irishmen caps in hand their bent heads betraying the reverence in their hearts by no sign not even a side glance at the havoc all round 
do they show any interest in the peril of their position some faces are grim all are grave but not one shows a trace of nervousness much less of terror for the moment they seem to be lifted by some superhuman force above the physical horror of their surroundings and these are the same men who a little later in the fight are to quail before the torrent of the terrible liquid fire big brawny and brave they hesitated for a few seconds on the sight of this new instrument of torture then out rushed their commanding officer waving their own flag up irish and atom he roared above the guns and with their war cry on their lips they answered the challenge Falgabalak, they shouted as they leapt forward to the attack and though they fell like saplings under the sweep of a forest fire the germans had to yield before their fury wild beasts was the name a bosch prisoner applied to them later but there is no evidence of ferocity in them now the mass over they rise from their knees shake themselves with a sigh straighten up and stroll off to their positions magnificent men morally and physically they can ill be spared by their small country but of such war is reaping a heavy harvest it is seven twenty in ten minutes our artillery will lift the curtain and our men will go over the top i am standing in a trench directing some wiring and incidentally watching the men who will make the fight territorials these amateurs at the game it is their first dip in the baptism of blood it is curious to see how the different types react to the trial there is charlie who before the war was somebody's indifferent clerk with somewhat more energy than ability when the first wave of patriotism struck his country charlie was on the top crest of the billow bellowing with all his little might an excitable gentleman he is finding it hard to control his nerves now he sits on the firing step grinning inanely now he walks up and down cursing in a low tone presently a voice interrupts his soliloquy give us a match says bill and the hand that takes it is steady bill is the calm cuss who enlisted as a matter of course without enthusiasm with no evidence of any ardour now he is smoking his pipe but i notice that his eye wanders and always in the same direction with an expression of anxiety and some sympathy i follow his glance and mine falls on jim he is sitting on the ground white-faced but quiet his sensitive features are positively twisted with terror and between his lips hangs a cigarette that has been lit but is now dead have a light bill says to him presently 
and a mechanical smile lights up the fine face jim is one of those imaginative highly strung lads who joined up from a sheer sense of duty and who is seeing the thing through in a positive agony of fear up with you boys comes the order at last a quiver seems to run through the traverse and instantly all the men are on their feet charlie makes for the firing step with the uncertain gait of a blind man bill's walk is slow and deliberate for a moment jim holds back will the boy funk at the last lap i can see the officer eyeing him and again there is sympathy in the glance but again his soul nerves him though his heart fails with a sudden rush as if possessed by some demon of determination the boy makes for the firing step up he climbs over the top and is out ahead of the rest the bravest man of the whole bunch soon we are advancing at a rate which even the most optimistic would not have dared to hope for this morning trench after trench is taken by our men we signallers are extending our lines forward but the task becomes more difficult every moment shells machine guns even rifle fire are thinning our ranks and at the same time cutting our cables to keep the established communications intact and at the same time lay new lines would require double our usual complement of workers we are already reduced to half but that is not our only problem elaborate systems of communication trenches had been dug to facilitate all movements of troops signboards stuck up all along the line gave direction in extreme detail this way out this way in for the wounded they were all over the place but no attention is being paid to them now every traverse is packed tight with the proverbial closeness of the sardine can god how the casualties are pouring in in tens twenties fifties hundreds they lie on the ground they line the walls sometimes so great is the congestion that new batches have to be borne out in the open where an enemy shell occasionally mercifully puts them past their pain or adds to it as the case may be and then the new men the reinforcements on whom our hope depends to consolidate positions already won they must be let through at all costs and with the least possible exposure to danger meantime in these very trenches our wires are being cut how to get at them and do the necessary repairing here and there a man manages to crawl through but it takes so long and we are already so handicapped out of twenty-six workers i have four left now request after request goes back for reinforcements finally they send me out twelve 
but already complaints are coming in see here mr signaller one colonel says to me what the hell is the matter with our line we can't distinguish a word that's being said better see to it the telephone has gone groggy i look over it d three it seems okay to me but probably the line has been earthed somewhere i send a lineman out to look for the cause of the trouble and this is what he finds i give the story as he gave it to me well sir i goes along the line and testin every two hundred yards and all of a sudden like i see a sight that makes me sick in my insides right there in front of me is sure enough harry clearly leastways sir all that was left of him he had his left leg blown clean off sir and half the other and one bloomin hand off and gore blimey sir if he didn't have the broken ends of the cable held fast in his other hand and he's stone dead sir well sir i mends the cable and then looks about me and i sees a long trail of blood about twenty yards poor harry sir he must have been busted by a shell and then he crawled back i suppose sir with his half a leg and half an arm and gripped the wire sir and died there seems to be tears in hawkins voice as he tells the story for a few moments he stops looking at me indecisively as if debating whether he shall proceed then he lowers his tone to a confidential pitch as he goes on you see sir me and harry was the best of pals sort of engaged to his sister lucy i was sir god almighty of a sudden his pity gives way to fury and a string of oaths and curses rain from his mouth i'll make those bleeding swine pay for this i will you see if i don't he has almost forgotten my presence then the rage subsides and he sidles off as if half ashamed poor fellow he gets small chance to wreak the revenge he threatened a piece of high explosive gets him a few hours later and so i lose two of my most valuable men at last we have reached the quarries that lie between hullu and the hohenzollern redoubt but it is a thin tired line that now advances bravely on these formidable enemy defences and yet a line on which our whole success depends in the comparative security of the hollow behind these clay hills the boche has had time to steady himself now heavily reinforced he has rallied and is ready for the little troop that is so doggedly pressing on but why is the troop so little what has become of the reserves that had been promised earlier from the twenty first and twenty fourth divisions surely to heaven they won't fail us at a crisis like this when we had trusted to them for new strength in the terrible struggle on moves the line and is met by the machine guns it sways steadies itself sways again 
falls back thicker and thicker comes the rain of bullets pressing the advantage for the bosch again the line gives way it is no more than a mere trickle now great god won't those reserves ever come up then a horrible thing happens to that tiny troop it finds itself blocked from the rear barbed wire their own barbed wire which the engineers sure of success had moved too far up behind them they attack it try to tear it down get entangled in their own efforts a fine target for those terrible guns and still no sign of the reserves coming to the rescue what has happened who has blundered someone hints that the fault lies in the weakness of the cable communications the hurried calls they say were delayed the messages hadn't got through properly i go hot and cold all over as i listen surely to god they are telling lies we couldn't have failed in spite of our efforts they were desperate enough in all truth and made against terrible odds well if it is our fault there is no use grumbling now we can only stick to our posts and put our trust in the scotchman there they are out in front putting up a desperate resistance the london scottish first territorial regiment in the british army to make a charge no one will dare to laugh at the terriers after this time after time they rush at the oncoming germans ladies from hell is the pretty compliment they earn from their enemy in whose souls they are inspiring real terror here is the evidence of it close at hand four hundred bosch prisoners sent to the rear after surrendering to one kilty and three royal army medical corps men they are trembling poor chaps and their faces are yellow with lyddite so it goes for days attack and counter-attack trenches won and lost now through gas now through liquid fire the expected reserves come at last but too late we had lost our great advantage we had hampered the great advance in one other part of the line an equal failure is reported but it fails to afford us any consolation then on october the eighth the terrible battle is over comparative quiet reigns along the line we proceed to accounting of our casualties sixty thousand in two weeks there was never a war like this war but the germans are even worse off than we eighty per cent something over one hundred thousand men well i can rival them in my small way out of a unit of fifty i have lost forty men and every one of them killed well as i have said we are now enjoying a comparative calm and i am now on another part of the line in the fighting to the south round loose and facing hill seventy 
we have lost a brigade signal officer and i am detailed to his post i find the office in a disused house to the east of the village about a mile and a half away from the famous hill again there is a deadlock along the front and i proceed to get my section into working order there is plenty to be done these days in the way of repairing occasionally fritz disturbs us at the job he sends over a shell by way of reminder that he is not yet hors de combat and at times succeeds in putting us in that condition about a week after i had taken on my new job i was sitting at my desk in the signal office a much more elaborate affair than the farmhouse kitchen in which i found myself at the start this is a large long room at one end and along one side is a bench to which telegraph and buzzer instruments are attached at these sit the operators working on the other side is a switchboard with its attendant in the centre at a desk to be accurate a large box sits the sergeant supervisor of the slaves behind him at another desk an inferior box are two corporals one acting as dispatch clerk and the other as checking clerk whose duty it is to keep tabs on all messages whether incoming or outgoing well on the day when fritz decided to get busy we were all at our posts more's the pity for some time the artillery had been exchanging compliments but to these we paid no attention it was a habit of theirs and had never yet disturbed us however one never knows along the line this time it seems our turn had come straight through the roof with a horrible crash tore a shell splitting the house in half for a moment the noise stunned me and i was thrown out of my chair right on top of the orderly who was sharing my corner then i stood up and looked round to find myself al fresco it was one of the strangest freak shots that i have ever seen gone were all the instruments with their operators gone too were the sergeant and the two corporals and here were the orderly and myself standing safely in the shaky remnant of the room these i might add are the little accidents that shake a man's nerve at times however they serve to strengthen a man's belief in his luck give him the impression that he is somehow immune but let me tell you another story that came to my notice next day and gave me pause in my rejoicing over my escape there was a widow in the north of england who had five sons before the war one was a regular soldier he went to france in august nineteen fourteen his brothers civilians before now joined kitchener's army and went out with the first hundred thousand now bill as we call the regular 
i've heard but forgotten his name was in every scrap going from the start he fought at mons on the marne at the aisne neuve chapelle and just now he had come safely through at Luz. the other four had not lasted more than a few days on the line they were killed one after the other now the war office though a machine betrays human feeling at times on this occasion it was moved by the tale of the five brothers and the mother they had left alone in the north of england so the order after much red tape went forth to the front to release bill and sent him home to a profitable job at munition making where he could help his country and his mother in comparative immunity from death so bill who had just survived the slaughter at Luz, packed his kit without regrets shook hands with his friends and mounted the motor lorry that was to take him to the station you might think that the immortals had no use for bill having let him live so long in the midst of death but mars it seems must have his little joke he was in sight of the station and of safety one would say when over came a shell picked the motor lorry for a target and up it went carrying bill to kingdom come it was a sour-faced sergeant who told me the tale it was most effective in shaking my belief in my own immunity i presume that was his object in telling it as your american cartoonist says someone is always taking the joy out of life here we are again going up in the world all the time now myself and my orderly with our new instruments and our new operators are installed in no meaner quarters than a chateau they've given us the dining room i believe my maps are spread on the very table at which fair ladies of france once sat and sipped champagne sic transit says the poet the glory of goblets is replaced by charts still they are helping to save the ladies country nothing exciting so far save fritz's morning frolics the blighter is always disturbing our best sleep never mind we've upset one of his apple carts to-day he is not quite as efficient as he thinks he is at least when it comes to learning our language apt to be too accurate which is a mistake only to-day sergeant major bradley of our signal section was strolling through one of the village streets as he passed he noticed a man near the top of one of those odd-looking towers which in france take the place of the telephone poles used in this country now the sergeant-major happens to be in charge of our linemen he knows every one of them not only by sight but by name moreover he has an accurate memory for the duties he has told them to do he failed to remember however that any man had been assigned to that tower 
then what the devil was he doing up there testing the wires this at a casual glance seemed to be the gentleman's occupation the sergeant-major who had passed decided to retrace his steps and investigate with certain omissions which you can supply for yourself he shouted to the figure on high what blank are you doing there who blank are you anyway i'm a royal engineer came the answer now as it happens no seasoned member of our corps ever refers to himself by such a title he might call himself an re though that is unusual he prefers either sapper or lineman oh indeed said the sergeant becoming facetious royal engineer are ye well suppose ye come down and let's have a look at ye the man prepared to descend there was nothing else to do but as he complied with the request he slipped something in his pocket which did not fail to catch the wary sergeant's eye so you're a royal engineer he reiterated when the gentleman had reached the ground and what might this be putting his hand in the man's pocket he drew out a neat leather case it was a most compact instrument for tapping the wires that man was in his grave before two hours and the sergeant is likely to wear a decoration End of section six